everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of January 30th through February 10th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. The plantliest. And Ben Lamoureux. I have absolutely no response to that. This week is a very special episode because today, Thursday, marks the one-year anniversary of this here little show. We made it! Uh, so, we're celebrating that today in a couple of different ways. Uh, first, I want to announce that all future podcast episodes of Nintendo Week will be available on SoundCloud, starting with this one, uh, and Google Play coming soon. But more excitingly, we're rolling out a super fun new format for the show today. Uh, we've had a pretty vanilla structure for the last year, where we do like a news block and then a discussion block afterwards, but starting now, we're going to split it all up into more organized segments, uh, more specialized segments, all themed after your favorite Nintendo thingy whatever those may be. Uh, so we'll be introducing a bunch of those today and more down the line in future episodes. At least our favorite Nintendo thingies. Our favorite Nintendo thingies. Um, for the most part, we're going to keep the news-based segments before the break and everything else after, so it'll be an easy transition for you longtime listeners. You know, you'll get a feel for how this works once we get the episode rolling. Uh, but we're going to be doing a ton of fun stuff today with a longer-than-usual episode and lots of these new segments. And to cap it all off, our final segment we're debuting is actually a game, and believe it or not, you listeners will be able to play along. So stick around for the whole show and you'll be able to find out more there. But are we ready to do this? Celebrating one year of Nintendo Week? Happy birthday to us. I've got my party hat. Woo! We're here with the news block, our first segment every week. This one should be well familiar to you returning listeners. It's just our news portion of the show. Um, so, very exciting. Uh, so, we've got a ton of news to get to this week. There's Twilight Princess, Splatoon Amiibo, Mother 3, Undertale on Wii U. So many words I never thought I'd be saying. But first, let's dive in with Bayonetta and Corrin. Both characters are now available in Super Smash Bros. Alongside a new stage, a ton of new Mii costumes, and more. We've got some gorgeous screenshots over at Gamnesia. Sakurai wrote a column about the end of Smash Bros. DLC, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, but first, what do you guys think of the new fighters? Have you guys tried them? Corin is astounding. Um, I thought, you know, despite how original I think we were all saying Corin looked, uh, it's it's one thing to sort of see it on paper and another thing to actually play it. Corin's mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. a very mobile, agile fighter, which is, you know, Fire Emblem characters typically aren't that uh, not agile, but but Corin's in a completely different league, I feel. And he has a counter that kills Little Mac at 3%. Yeah. Yikes. So, uh-oh. So, are, are we talking, like, chic levels of sprinting around the screen? Not, Not quite, quite. But, um, it's... See, this... I, I haven't downloaded either of them yet. I'm a terrible Smash fan. Oh, Ben! I've, ben, I've been playing Resident ben, Evil 4 instead fired. of Smash Bros. the past couple days. Leon's not even in Smash. How could you play that game? He should be in Smash. <laughs> uh, but uh, what were you saying, Alex? Oh, yeah. I was going to say Corrin's, uh, Corrin's fast, but but the real the real trick for me is the combination of speed and range. Um, yeah. Which is just insane, especially when you add in some of those spear attacks. Yo, yeah. He's so powerful, too. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of the DLC has been... A little, little unfair. little nuts. little unfair. A little unfair. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Bayonetta, have you seen some of her kill combos? It, like, she has these crazy combos at zero percent. Apparently, the whole like Smash Bros. like scene is just completely dominated by Bayonetta right now. She can do like an up B huh. to like she just has a combo that will just lift characters off the screen at zero percent and kill them. Yeah, without I like say, any uh, balance any sense of, in the near future. I hope so. Uh, 
that's actually a good transition, though. Uh, we learned that the development of Smash is complete, uh, and Sakurai is taking an extended vacation now that he's done, which is, thank God. Um, but what's <laughs> not clear is whether balance patches will continue from Bandai Namco. Uh, I certainly hope they do, because these characters are definitely going to need some tweaks. Yeah, you know, um, I think it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse that the, the last three... Smash Bros. DLC characters are all kind of super out there. Like, Cloud's got the Limit Breaker, and, you know, uh, Bayonetta, mm-hmm. like you said, has those crazy combos and things like that. So it's really cool to see them not only giving us DLC in Smash for the first time, but having these DLC characters, and Ryu, too, with, you know, the different yeah. control options. Oh, yeah. Have, having them be, you know, just something very different than what we're used to. But at the same time, you know, they're, they're really going to need to balance them out, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we saw they nerfed Diddy, like, so far. Bayonetta's mm. gonna need, like, oh my god. It looks right, right, we need to see how, like, the game develops and how people, like, start using these characters and start, like, fighting these strategies. Mm-hmm. But right now, at least from, like, base sort of instincts, Bayonetta looks like the most broken character that Smash Bros. has ever seen. Ever. <laughs> and, like, that's saying something. Well, Smash Bros. has never been a game that's really about chaining combos. I mean, you can do it, but Bayonetta is a character that seems to be, like, it seems to enable it almost to an absurd degree, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, especially because the goal of Smash isn't, like, to whittle health down, it's to knock them off. If As long as the combos can, like, move them somewhere, then that's all that matters, and that's what they do. Right. Um... But, uh, yeah, we also, the basic Wii U bundle, in case anyone needed a reminder, is absolutely terrible. It can't fit all the Smash Bros. DLC on it. You'll need a hard drive, so if anyone has got the basic Wii U, you're gonna need to upgrade if you want these. Now, does that mean they can't even get all the updates? Because that would just be a shame. Updates are gonna be a problem. Because updates, the majority of the DLC data is just the mandatory, like, patches that you download. I mean, I don't have a basic Wii U. I make good decisions with my life (laughs) most of the time. Um, But as far as I know, like, updates, you can get some of them, of course, but it is gonna be a problem because all the updates do take data. They don't, you know, like, rewrite onto the disk or anything. Um, Eventually, having a basic Wii U is just gonna, you know, you're gonna need one, no matter what games you're playing. Um, And Alex, you might be a little disappointed to hear that Sakurai also said adding new features like different types of gauges and doing stuff like making a 3D battlefield types of gameplay would not make fans happy. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll sort of walk back to my comments from the previous episode and say that when I said I would like Smash to be changed up a little more, uh, I think the, the best way to do that without like pissing fans off would be to do more characters that are like Ryu, like Cloud, like Bannon and Corrin, where they, you know, they still play like Smash characters, but they also add things that other Smash characters really just haven't had before. Alex Plant is on record saying, make more Smash characters like Corrin. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. More fire fans, fans, listen, anyone who voted in the Smash ballot, take heed. No, I don't, I don't mean, like, character <laughs> I know, picks. I'm, I'm I just, just mean the way the characters play. Yeah. So... That it on uh, the Bayonetta and Corrin front? Yeah, I think so. 
Alright, uh, there's a new Pokemon that's just been announced, and not a new form or anything, a brand new Pokemon. It's called Magiana, and it stars alongside Volcanion in the next Pokemon movie. Not much else is known about this thing yet, but it means one of two things. Either Gen 7 is closer than we think, or for the first time ever, we're getting new Pokemon added during generations instead of at the start of each one. Uh, or hey, it could mean both, even. When I first saw Magiona, my first thought was, oh, it's BB-8 from Star Wars. <laughs> but, um, I don't know if anyone else had that impression. I thought more of, like, uh, what is that, um, Deancey, but made of mm-hmm. metal? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does look pretty similar. And, yeah, they, it's, uh, Sarah B reports that it has a, a metallic body and that it's apparently, like, 500 years old and has some sort of secret and volcanic. Yeah, it was, like, the only man-made. one that knows the secret, so... Yeah, something like that. Very, um, very cryptic thus far. But, you know, yeah. uh, some of the other, like, event-only Pokemon were discovered in the data literally years in advance. So it's like you said, you know, this could be a pretty good indication that this is for Gen 7 rather than for Gen 6. Right, right. Well, I would hope that now that they can do patches properly, that they wouldn't need to pack all the data in at the start of each gen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. it's surprising, though, because all the other ones were packed in at the start, so you'd think, you know, if they were going to make a new one and introduce a new one, it would be a Gen 7 type thing, rather than something that they held off. Because then why would they not hold off, like, Volcanion and DNC and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. There's also an official Kanto-themed tournament for Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, where you can sign up and battle with rules like no hold items and uh, the original generation of Pokemon only. The prize is Lance's Dragonite, so that's pretty sweet. Sign-ups begin February 25th, and the tournament goes live on March 4th, so be at the ready. You can check the story out at Gamnesia to learn more if you're interested. I think this is such a cool way to celebrate the history of the series, you know? Right! Because, you know, we we were talking about how it would be cool if they did a remake of Yellow with the modern battle mechanics, and we're not going to get that, but they are doing a a Gen 1-themed tournament with the modern battle mechanics, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. And plus, even besides, you know, the whole celebration of the series history thing, it's it's nice to see a tournament that's very strongly themed, because I feel like Pokémon, the roster is just so huge at this point that you almost need something like this to kind of balance out the meta a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, speaking of, like, this kind of thing, maybe a yellow remake, maybe Pokemon Gen 7, Kamishima did say that there are more 3DS games that have not been announced yet, uh, and that he'd like for Nintendo to make more Wii U games. Uh, He said Splatoon and Mario Maker saw huge sales numbers that weren't hindered by Wii U's small install base, to which I say that that is bullshit. (laughs) Uh, but as for 3DS games, Pokemon, I think, is a surefire guarantee. Um, I wonder if some of those remakes we heard so little about are finally happening, too. Like, uh, we were thinking maybe, like, a Paper Mario 3D or something like that. Pikmin. Yeah, I really want to be optimistic here, but Nintendo has just done so relatively little for the 3DS lately. You know, I kind of, I gotta see something big before I believe it. And I'm not exactly hyped up for the, you know, the games they do have announced, like Federation Force, so. Yeah. I'll um, I'll repeat what I've said on previous podcasts and just say that Nintendo says this is the end of pretty much every console generation, and so there's really no reason to put stock in it being anything worthwhile. There will probably be 3DS games that haven't been announced yet, but how big they are is kind of up for debate. Well, Pokemon's pretty huge. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think I we'll can see another that. Pokemon just because, you know, we got Black 2 and White 2 long after you yeah. know, DS was no longer in the spotlight and 3DS had launched. 
Yeah, I, mean, I was going to bring yes. those up, actually, because those are big, big games, and it's maybe a mistake on their part, but... I guess when I think of big, unannounced 3DS games, I think of 3DS games that no one sees coming. Uh, not th- 3DS games that everyone's seeing coming from a mile away, you know? Yeah, but that's not what he said. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I do get what you're saying, though, and I I wouldn't want people to get hopes up for, yeah, like a, a you know, like a new Zelda or right. Right. anything like that. Right. Um, although, speaking of which, we did get a ton of info on Twilight Princess HD, uh, including stuff about gamepad features, lots of new screenshots, footage, tons more. It's mostly a spattering of little details that don't mean much on their own, so I don't imagine we'll be discussing much of those. But uh, what did stick out to me is that it's only going to run at 30 frames per second as opposed to the typical 60 on Wii U. Uh, and it's not a totally steady 30 FPS either, so... Uh, that said, though, the original game ran in 30 FPS, and apparently, like, Wind Waker HD and stuff run in 30 FPS, so it's not, like, inferior or anything. But it does seem a little bit dated. I don't really expect any uh, HD Zelda remake they make anytime soon to be, you know, 60, because every 3D Zelda game so far has been 30. Um, Yeah. it's, it's It's astounding enough that they're getting them in 1080p, given that I think... There are so there are very few Wii U games that actually run native 1080p, uh, so I think that's kind of where they're putting the focus. And since these are graphical updates and not necessarily like full gameplay remakes, um, I, I think right. it makes sense to try to keep the performance as similar as possible to the original games. Yeah, fair. and I have to say, I, I I wouldn't I'd be surprised if Zelda U is 60 frames a second i think it'll be 32 just because with such a huge overworld like that i i don't imagine that they're going to be able to you know they're going to prioritize that you know they've got a beautiful graphics engine and everything but yeah and all the grass blades are moving in the wind and everything so yeah yeah, i think keeping the world dynamic is going to take big priority over frame rate yeah i do feel like they might actually target 1080p i know a lot of people expect it to be Mm -hmm. 720 um Mm -hmm. but but we'll see that'll be a challenge yeah. It stands in contrast to Twilight Princess, though, where there is no grass. There's only polygons and jagged edges. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The trees, especially, <laughs> need some work. Um, so, uh, but I, I see what you're saying, though, about running in 30 FPS. And I, I still think it's a little dated, but I don't think that it's, you know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable of it's, them. To it's not as egregiously bad as the N64 games, which were 20 frames per second in the original. Mm, yeah. Um, and they upped it to 30. Uh, I think 30, Um, I think 30 is a good target. So, yeah. Uh, as for all those, you know, little news updates and stuff though, luckily the official Zelda Facebook page will be announcing little updates about Twilight Princess HD. Uh, so you can follow that and stay informed from now on and get those little smaller bite-sized pieces there. Anuma also said that fan responses are hugely important to the Zelda series, which means that they're looking very hard at people's reactions to events like E3 and the Game Awards to work with the feedback that they get. Um, He added that he doesn't really put any messages in his games, so reading into the philosophies of The Wind Waker or Majora's Mask, it's all wonderful, but these kinds of things are not uh, conscious developer intentions. I find this really encouraging and also interesting because I think this might be the first time we've ever heard of a Nintendo developer taking into account fan feedback that didn't come from like a demo session into E3 or something. Because Zelda mm-hmm. still hasn't been playable, and we've only seen really small slices of the game so far. And yet he's saying in this interview, oh yeah, we're taking people's uh, feedback about what kind of game this should be into consideration. So that's a lot deeper than uh, Nintendo yeah, usually looks totally. in terms of feedback. 
And I think to that end, I think the thing that they're definitely going to be addressing is uh, the the overworld and making sure that it's content rich and not just huge. Because that is the big thing that people were complaining about from TGA is, mm-hmm. okay, there's all this space, but there's nothing here. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I'm also kind of wondering if this means that they are considering actually making Link uh, having like a gender option for Zelda U. And we've talked about this a lot before, so I don't want to you know, keep harping on it in this episode, but um, that is something that's on my mind is I wonder if they've, because this is a major topic in the Zelda community for the last couple years, and with all the positive energy around Linkle and everything, um, you know, I, I'm wondering if that's something that they're looking at and implementing. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Maybe, but, you know, at the same time, they also changed Linkle to just be a, you know, a separate female character rather than to be yeah. a female incarnation yeah. of Link, so. Right. We'll see. Yep. Um... He lastly added, uh, well, for context, a lot of fans want Link to speak in future Zelda games, but a lot of others want him to stay a silent protagonist. Um, this is, that's been a big debate in the Zelda community for a lot of a lot of time now. Onuma um, spoke up about the issue, though, and he seems about as divided as the fanbase, actually. Uh, he says that in some ways he thinks it would be good, but in others he fears that Link could lose his individuality. Uh, so, I personally want him to stay silent, but I think that for that to work, they really need to cool it with all the cutscenes and stuff. Um, I think Zelda's gotten way too story-driven for what the series was originally supposed to be, and hate me all you want, but I don't think that the Zelda team is much good at that. Um, so, but, but one of the worst parts about all that is that Link, who was originally created to be a blank slate avatar character, connecting the player to the world, he now kind of has a character, but also kind of doesn't. And it's like really weird to see that awkward gray area in a story-driven game, especially when all these other characters have all this dialogue, and then Link's just standing there grunting when he clearly has something that he wants to say. Um, So we all know that Zelda U is going back to the series roots for exploration and all that, and I think that they should do the same for the story direction and for Link's character direction. Um, But that said, if they want to emphasize the story, then they've got to let him speak. You just can't keep doing both. Yeah, and to kind of follow on from that, I think the issue of whether Link should speak is kind of a cart before the horse kind of issue, because if Link being non-mute is really going to matter and really going to make waves, I don't think it'll simply be because he has lines. I think it'll be because he has a voice actor with a speaking part. And the Zelda franchise still hasn't really decided whether they want to do voiced dialogue. So I think we're pretty far from having a real serious conversation about whether Link should or shouldn't stay mute, because for the foreseeable future, they, the Zelda series hasn't really decided what to do with dialogue in general. Um, that said, I think it's telling that many of the most popular fantasy games like Elder Scrolls and Dark Souls and all those uh, do feature mute protagonists, and they do mm-hmm. feature them alongside fully voiced NPCs. So I don't think you know Link speaking is necessarily one of those foregone conclusions that will happen eventually, uh, even if they do do something like voice acting. Um, but I think that if if Link is going to speak, it's going to be after they have make a decision about voice acting. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, with I'm that. thinking along the same lines as you, Alex. I, I don't want to see... Uh, well, I mean, for you, it, it's maybe not so much that you don't want to see Link speak, just that you don't think that's the conversation to have yet. But I agree that uh, NPCs could be voice act, could be used voice acting in the in the Zelda series very effectively. 
much in similar ways to some of the games you mentioned. I but I agree with uh, Onuma in saying that sort of Link as a silent protagonist is just it's part of his character now. It would kind of change up his identity a little too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm being a little old fashioned there, but I, I think Zelda could be more immersive with voice acted characters. I just don't think that Link needs to be one of them to have a compelling experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm with totally you there. Totally agreed there. I'm with you there. Great. Uh, so, next game, Fire Emblem Fates has faced a lot of whatever you want to call it over this petting minigame, it's called. Uh, first, it was reported that this thing was removed. Then it looked like maybe it was kind of available. Now it looks like it is available, but only for the character that your avatar marries. That's um, a little more appropriate than uh, yeah. everyone. Uh, but I don't know. I really have no interest in discussing this. I'm so sick of this back and forth with the news. You two go right ahead if you want to talk. All I'll say about this, aside from what I just said, (laughs) is that I I hear that this was originally the vision for this feature and that they wound up extending it to every character because they wanted to be able, every, every player to be able to experience all of the character models, the up close character models. Uh huh. So, from that perspective, I, I would hope that means that the people who are talking about the game's vision being ruined can kind of tone tone themselves down. They won't. Mm. But they won't. They won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a whole other discussion that I am also really sick of and don't want to get back <laughs> yeah. into. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, there's a lot of misinformation about out there and a lot of people who are really confident and have no f- clue what they're talking about <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. internet and now is uh, now is not the time to get in a soapbox about localization so right right splatoon's line of amiibo may be getting two new additions which the fans of the squid sisters will be happy to hear the latest update contains data for two new amiibo called amiibo idol a and amiibo idol b which is obviously referring to callie and marie the pop star idol duo there from uh, inkopolis the latest map also alludes to a minigame that isn't currently available, and the minigames, of course, are unlocked with Amiibo, so I think the evidence is pretty clear. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of dissent lately, I feel, about Amiibo being used to unlock stuff. Uh, but personally, in this case, I feel like uh, Amiibo is a really great way to keep on expanding Splatoon, especially Amiibo for these popular yeah. characters like Callie and Marie. Because um, there's already been so many free updates that have kind of made it a real full, sort of, sort of more than complete game at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And looking at what they've done with Amiibo so far, they've never released any content that's like totally game changing through the Splatoon line. It's all like cosmetic right. upgrades and fun side mini games that you can play in the lobby. Right. Uh, and then they, you know, they tack on extra challenge levels, which are basically just remixes of the uh, single player stages, just as a right. way to unlock all that stuff. And now they have those new weapon types too. So you know, maybe the Callie and Marie Amiibo will unlock, you know, play through the single player stages with the uh, Splasher. The, the right paint bucket yeah stuff that wasn't available for um yeah. and and you know i think as a, a way of unlocking these kind of random cosmetic extras that maybe don't justify a paid dlc slot for the eShop. uh you know people aren't going to necessarily care about a single item that they can buy on the eShop, and mm-hmm. maybe that's not a business model we should be asking nintendo to pursue um but but i think amiibo is a good way to kind of throw in a little a little bit of extra stuff for people who are fans of amiibo yeah totally agreed i'd love to see like judd and captain cuttlefish and stuff yeah yeah um, i, I really wouldn't good. be surprised if this gets expanded even more you know like alex said really? it's, a good, it's a good way to add dlc but if you look at japan 
the top three selling amiibo are the three Splatoon amiibo. Yeah, and that's actually true, yeah. The Squid Sisters are just insanely popular. Nintendo just mm-hmm. held a live concert for the Squid Sisters. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing. So, Splatoon is insanely popular in Japan. The Squid Sisters are insanely popular in Japan. This is just gonna sell gangbusters immediately. Totally. And, you know, if it continues to be a money machine, especially in Japan, but internationally, then I could see Nintendo expanding it and releasing some other ones. And like Alex said, you know, using them to unlock more content. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but um, yeah, the, the, looking at it from that perspective, I have a newfound optimism that I'll finally get my Captain Cuttlefish. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if in a few months, uh, all five of the top best-selling amiibo in Japan are from Splatoon. Which is funny, too, because none of the Splatoon ones are in the top ten in America. No. Um, Which I I think speaks more to the popularity of the Smash line than anything else, honestly. No, I do too. Um, Especially because we see characters like Mega Man and Pac-Man up there in the top ten. And it's like, you know, the American Western audiences, they really love, uh, especially the retro type stuff like Mega Man and Mm -hmm. Um, Pac-Man. Although, you know, looking at the disparity between, you know, Japan and here, one way Nintendo could boost sales of these other more traditional characters in Japan is to, let's say, make those characters unlock costumes in Splatoon because yeah, I know. that'd be great. Come on. Why didn't they do that from the get-go? Well, I, I can understand why they didn't do that from the get-go because they want Splatoon to have its own identity, but Splatoon yeah. definitely has that at this point, and it, right. there's no reason why they couldn't just continue expanding Splatoon with more you know, Nintendo-themed extra content purely for people who own Amiibo. Totally. Um, I totally agree. So make it happen, Nintendo. Make it happen. Uh, and we know that they would obviously listen to this podcast, so it's gonna. Yeah. Just watch. Just wait. Um, I want to make a quick mention before we get to our last story here for the news block. There is a Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming in 2018 from Sony Pictures. It's a mix of live action and CGI. What on earth is going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of it being mixed with live action, but... Sonic has been struggling to find its identity lately, and I don't feel like adding more to the confusion right now is the best thing for the brand. Yeah. I feel like they need to nail it on the video game side, then carry over the stuff that people love about the IP as it is once they nail it on that side, and then bring it over into all this other stuff like TV and movies. But, you know, this is this is just going to contribute to the problem we've had over the past, like, decade or so, which is that Sonic doesn't know what it is. Well, and, you know, it, with that, it's crossing over with the problem that people don't know how to make good quality movies based on video games, especially without compromising the source material. But just in general, most video game movies have been uh, well, objectively poor quality. And, <laughs> and, you know, judging by the reception of the Sonic series lately, this would be a movie based on a relatively poor quality video game. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the solution know, then is to on. reintroduce Big the Cat. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I just um, really hope that the movie is called Sonic and Knuckles. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, our final story then through this block this is going to stoke a lot of you. Nintendo's developer support reached out to the creator of Undertale on Twitter, and not long after, he started tweeting about wanting to bring the game to Nintendo consoles. It was already made entirely in Game Maker, so it would have to be completely reprogrammed from the bottom up, which leaves him really worried about bugs and authenticity, but he says at this point he might as well try it. <laughs> He's not a programmer, but luckily at least one studio has already offered to help him out, and I'm willing to bet that Nintendo 
Nintendo's developer support team will want to put a lot of effort into making this work, because whoever can get Undertale on their consoles first is going to get a lot of people going to their systems. Yeah, this would be great if Nintendo could secure this as a, a console exclusive or a timed exclusive kind of mm-hmm. thing on Wii U. Well, yeah, because when was the last time Nintendo like secured exclusivity for a major third-party game that you know was already popular? I don't think yeah. that's happened in decades. Um, Tetris, maybe the last. One <laughs> that's think of. that's like, been decades. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think back, and I yeah, I cannot think of one. Resident Evil Four was GameCube exclusive, right? For like it, a little. It started while. out as a. So that yeah, that's probably the last one. Well, even that's a little bit different because this is a game that's already popular on PC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you look back at Tetris, that was a game that was already popular before Nintendo, and they just happened to be the console that got Tetris. Right. Well, they happened to be the console, period. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, this would be great. Um, I have been a, a big fan of Undertale since I played it a couple months ago. I know, Ben, you... Yeah, I've, I've actually... I've only played it all the way through once because I've been oh, busy okay. with other things, but I really enjoyed my first playthrough, and yeah. I, I started a... Uh, a pacifist run, but I haven't gotten very far. Yeah, I start. I started a pacifist run, and I got to the end, and then found out there were other things you needed to do. Yeah, during you have to the do, like all yeah, the side quests. So, yeah, so I need to go back and do those before I do the the quote final battle for that one, because who knows what kind of twist endings this has. Um, and I don't. Nobody spoil it for me. But <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so that's all great. I'm really enthusiastic about that. Um, and I also think that Undertale is a series that just stylistically, uh, gameplay wise, design wise, it all fits in beautifully with what Nintendo's already established. I know it was already pretty heavily inspired by the Mother series, so it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, want to mention a YouTuber called Insane in the Rain Music recently released an album of jazzified Undertale music. Uh, I've been listening to that a lot lately. We're going to use one of those tracks as the outro theme for this week uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, But you can read more about that album at Gamnesia if that piques your interest. You can find it lots of places. Uh, So there you go. All right. Next podcast segment, Fortune Street. All right, welcome everybody to Fortune Street, a new segment we're debuting this week, where we discuss recent updates from the more businessy side of Nintendo, uh, from their financial status to sales data to various tech projects and all kinds of stuff like that. Last week was Nintendo's quarterly investors meeting, so we've got a lot of new numbers to look at. Uh, after that, they revealed some juicy news about mobile games, VR, and more. Uh, so let's get some of this financial stuff on the table right off the bat. Nintendo only sold 1.9 million Wii U units last quarter and 3.6 million 3DS units. However, they did earn around $241 million in profits in that time, nearly $80 million of which was from DLC. Uh, they've made $258 million in digital revenue throughout the last three quarters. Over 31 million Amiibo figurines have been sold to date, although the Amiibo cards outsold figurines from April to December of 2015. Uh, do you guys have much to say about these things? Yeah, I got a few comments. Uh, so that $1.9 million Wii U, that's pretty much par for the course. Every holiday season, Nintendo has sold almost exactly $1.9 or $1.8 million we use mm-hmm. uh the 3ds units that's that's pretty close to what it was last year too so um, you know we're seeing the consoles the numbers really aren't moving up uh but they're not especially moving down 3ds was trending downward for a long time and then the launch of new nintendo 3ds kind of propped them up at the start of the year but overall 3ds is starting to trend downward as well mm-hmm. um I feel like there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So $258 million made a digital revenue through three quarters, and that is about what they made in digital revenue all of the last fiscal year. 
So they're they're uh, they're setting a new record for digital revenue. Yeah, that's a nice uh, pickup of the pace, but it's it's not a hugely significant increase because that is just one more quarter. Right, you and know. it's it's a it's a slow quarter too because it's January, February, March, which is mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of big games are usually released then. But Smash yeah. Bros, I think, was the main driver of that, that for digital sure. revenue. Yeah, I will add that it is both interesting and terrifying that. Uh, about a third of Nintendo's profits for the the last uh, you know few periods was from DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't become Capcom. Interesting because that means the DLC has been insanely popular, but also terrifying because that means DLC has been such a big part of Nintendo's business at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, almost um, as big as their games. Yeah. <laughs> But let's not think about that. Kamishima <laughs> also revealed that their first QOL device is pretty much kaput. Uh, it was a sleep tracking thing that they announced a long time ago, which was supposed to come out like a month from now, but Nintendo's been quiet about it ever since. They've been looking into these QOL devices, or quality of life devices, for a while now, and they aren't abandoning ship on these sorts of concepts, but this is a major roadblock. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too surprised they abandoned this particular one, or at least have, yeah. have tabled it for a while. Uh, I you know I knew what they were trying to do with it, but it didn't seem like a very strong footing for them to make inroads into this QOL area. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're an entertainment-focused company at the heart, and so they're at their best when they're delivering you know qual- high-quality fun. And that's not really something you get out of uh, a sleep tracking thing. Um, you know, right. I think they'd be better off trying to do something like a mod- more modern version of Wii Fit. You know, where QL is like a game, um, but maybe sort of divorce it from the clunky living room hardware like the balance board and, yeah. and getting rid of the TV so that's not needed either. You know? Yeah, well, and I think more more stuff like smartphone apps and uh, companion things like that little Poke thing uh, for Pokemon Go, they can do kind of similar stuff like that. Maybe have like an armband that syncs up to your phone and will track your pulse or something like that. Uh, Wii Vitality Sensor. <laughs> um but, you know, things like that, I think, would be much more uh, congruent with the plans for the future. And I think I think that's the kind of stuff we're going to start to see more of rather than the dedicated devices. You know, yeah. if people people were interested in, in seeing Nintendo bring their video game expertise to other forms of entertainment. But I don't think that this is what they were expecting. There wasn't a lot of positive feedback from media or from analysts or from just Nintendo fans. No one was really excited for this thing that watches you sleep and, like, monitors your heart rate. <laughs> um, but so then I, everyone loves Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I kind of wonder how much of this was really just Iwata driving this project. Because we know this is one of his passion projects and it was something that he was yeah. really behind. Hmm. He was always the one to talk about it and you know, bring it up at investor meetings and things like that. So I, I wonder if there just really wasn't the drive to push forward with this product after Iwata passed away. Yeah, uh, that's a good that's question. Possible. Yeah. I, we'll probably not know for a long time. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Something to think about, yeah. Um, although they are also looking into virtual reality, they said, uh, Kamishima said, but they do need more time and effort before they're sure what they want to do with it and how they're going to do it. So anyone hoping that NX would be a big VR project, sorry to crush your dreams. Yeah, I think being a late entrant to the VR space would be like financial suicide for Nintendo. Um, VR is very much one of those areas that I think will be driven heavily by the FOMO phenomenon, which is the fear of missing out which is what happens when people are trying to jump onto a bandwagon because something is suddenly popular. 
Um, so I think it's a space that will be really dominated by the early entrants. So like Oculus Rift, PlayStation VR, and the, the ones that are going to be. <laughs> oh god yes we'll call that vr uh, but you know the ones that can gobble up the customers who want to try out their vr for the first time uh, and i don't know that a lot of those customers will stick around but even the ones that do you know i think it'll take a miracle to kind of get those early entrants out of uh you know out of the customer loyalty space especially yeah. for a company like nintendo that thrives on gameplay and brands that really aren't that suited to vr in the first place yeah well i'll say this uh nintendo has not been making money on hardware lately uh wii u had to be sold at a loss 3ds had to be sold at a loss so for nintendo to put in the millions into research and development to create a virtual reality headset and then they would probably have to sell it for a loss as well so i think if nintendo was going to get into vr it would it's more likely that they would just try to make nx compatible but even you know with something like oculus rift with an existing vr device that they would strike up a partnership but even then i think it's kind of unlikely to happen just because from all the reports we've heard, NX isn't going to be a powerhouse, and most of these VR devices require a powerhouse computer to run. Yeah. 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 Yep. What they are doing right now, though, is Mitomo uh, and mobile games and lots of other service stuff. So Mitomo launches in mid-March for the U.S., uh, Japan, and 14 other markets, although they haven't said where. Uh, and the new My Nintendo Rewards program is also coming out in March. In the meantime, you can start preparing for these new services on February 17th when the new Nintendo account system launches. Anything to say? Or This is just release information. Yeah, really. I'm looking forward to see uh, what kind of deals they offer. In, in, in Japan, they've been trying out, you know, birthday discounts and uh, discounts customized to, you know, what products you buy. Like, they'll, they'll send you just-for-you coupons kind of things. So it, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. I think Japan has kind of been a testing grounds for these past couple months, and now they're going to try out some tactics in the West. So I'd like to see how Nintendo is going to try to entice me. Yes, uh, this is your chance, Nintendo of America, to redeem yourself, so uh, don't fail me. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, and we have now arrived at the beloved lightning round, where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or the ones we discussed in the last however long it's been, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all of these links. Alright, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. There's a ton of new content in Super Mario Maker, including several event courses, a Professor Egad costume, and more. Totally Super called it, right, Colin? Yes, I did! And now, on the <laughs> next Facebook caption, I wrote, still no Toadsworth, so we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers, Toadsworth is next. Um, Super Mario Galaxy and the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games are now available on the Wii U eShop in Europe. Kuru Kuru Kururin is now available in North America for the first time ever, thanks to the Wii U Virtual Console. And Resident Evil 4 is available on the eShop worldwide. So, surprisingly, you know, I've mentioned a couple times in this podcast that I've been playing Resident Evil 4. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, I'm actually not playing it on Wii U. I already beat it with uh, point-click controls, so my, uh, my roommate got it on PC, and I've been Try again oh, really? with standard controls for the first time. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. Devil's Third is now available again at Amazon and GameStop, so heed not those scalping prices. The Twilight Princess manga has launched in Japan with its first volume. Pokemon the first movie is available to stream for free on Pokemon.com now, and the Blu-ray collection of the first three movies is also available now. Uh, and you can get a special Mew at GameStop from now through the end of the month. Oddly enough, we've also got a warning about what's not available, which is beta signups for Pokemon Go. There have apparently been some scams going around, so if you see an offer to join the beta, don't do it. Never trust social media. 
Never. Never. <laughs> um, Unless it's Gamnesia. Yeah, we've got a great Facebook page if you want to check it out. Um, next, we've got some upcoming dates to look out for. February 17th, registration opens for the Nintendo account system. February 19th, Fire Emblem Fates launches in North America, as does a Fates-themed new 3DS XL. And Charles Martinet will attend the Nintendo World Store's reopening on that day in New York. February 25th is when signups for the Kanto-themed Pokemon tournament begin. February 27th is when tons of stores are giving away free stuff in celebration of Pokemon Day. In March, we're getting the Tomo and the My Nintendo Reward System. March 4th is the launch of Twilight Princess HD and the Wolf Link Amiibo. And March 14th is the start of GDC, and Niantic will be showing off Pokemon Go there. And then we just got a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. Star Wars The Force Awakens is getting its own Lego game coming to 3DS and Wii U with canon plots that were not in the movie. Uh, we've got lots of screenshots of that if you want to check it out. Capcom is developing a Mario Party game for Japanese arcades and we've got 10 minutes of footage at Amnesia. Yeah, so I, I, I watched some of that footage and I was not super impressed. Like I mean, it's most, Mario Party. Well, no, most of it is like a roulette wheel mini game where you like bet points and stuff. So oh, really? It, it looked like half Mario Party, half like pachinko machine or something. Make Mario Party great again. <laughs> um, man, that's too bad. Um, well, I guess it's Japanese arcades, though. It's I would never see that thing, so... Yeah. It's, I can't be too disappointed. But uh, the other one is the Great Detective Pikachu's ending hints that Nintendo is already making episodic sequels. Pokémon Tournament is compatible with every single amiibo. Mitomo will let users take real-world pictures with their Miis. Unlike Awakening, Fire Emblem Fates will not let you use Japanese audio. And Nintendo's second and apparently third mobile games will feature famous Nintendo characters. Shigesato Itoi recently sat down to discuss Mother 3. He talked about the game's move from Nintendo 64 to the Game Boy Advance, the message that it sends to players, and lots more. Great interview if you want to check that out. Uh, I encourage you to read the, the full thing. Uh, and Alpha Dream had an interview about Paper Jam, where we learned a lot about its backstory and some of the things that went into the game. Uh, check that out too. A new trailer and gameplay footage shows off Chandelure in Pokémon Tournament. Two hours of gameplay footage and every single adorable cutscene from Detective Pikachu are now available for your viewing pleasure. We've got new trailers for Fire Emblem Fates and Hyrule Warriors Legends, and tons of new English footage from both Bravely Second and Fire Emblem Fates. Nintendo's reorganized the company to give younger staff more influence. Nintendo fell to sixth place in Metacritic's Best Publishers of 2015. Which is really upsetting for them marketing-wise, because, mm -hmm. you know, in 2014, they, they kept repeating the line, yeah, you know, our games haven't sold that much, but we have the highest-rated games on Metacritic. Yeah, that, so. was, that was their big, big line. The one thing they really had going for them this generation was their review scores, and ouch. Kind of a rough um, year. Yeah. Uh, and the Pokemon Company took down all of Pokemon Reorchestrated's videos for the Kanto Symphony. So if you liked that music, it's, I guess, a rough year for you, too. Uh, <laughs> you can head over, uh, learn more at that channel. Uh, we've got a story on Gamnesia if you want to read about it. Yeah, the sad thing is he, do he doesn't really seem to know why. You know, he says the songs yeah, are all licensed and he's been paying royalties and Nintendo, or the Pokemon Company, rather, hasn't fully explained to him why the videos were taken Well, so he, he was speaking with an IP lawyer, I think it was. I don't know the full details, but he, uh, I, I, he released a second update video and he was saying that um, what licenses he had gotten through his through the licensing service he was working with uh, they were like type 1 licenses or something like that mm -hmm. and what he needed to put them on YouTube was like type 3 licenses or something like that mm. um, now he has type 1 licenses for all the other stuff and those are still there um, I mean so it's, it's strange that it was just Kanto Symphony that was taken down 
Um, I wonder if maybe Pokemon is doing something of their own, and so that's why they saw those, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, no matter what, it's a bad situation, and it's not... I can't defend them for this. That's Yeah, it's bad PR, too. Yeah. Um... The Chibi Robo Amiibo is under $5 at Amazon. A ton of indie games are on sale on the Wii U eShop from now until February 25th, so you can get those for cheap if you're looking for some of those. Lots of new collector's items are rolling in, including new Figma figures for Link and Samus, and Nendoroids of Meta Knight, Zelda, Mega Man X, and Elise from Fire Emblem Fades. Likewise, there's a ton of new Pokemon swag coming, including Nendoroids of Trainer Red and Trainer Blue, a figurine of Red and his Pikachu, figurines of Ash, Misty, Team Rocket, and more, and an adorable Mew plushie. And the soundtrack to Pokemon Red and Blue is coming to vinyl, too, but that's already sold out. It was limited edition, 500 copies only, but luckily they are also releasing a Super Music Collection soundtrack with all those songs, plus sound effects from the games, and music from the GBA remakes. It's almost like Pokemon celebrating an anniversary this year or something. I wonder. I, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you can grow real plants inside an adorable little Bulbasaur-shaped pot from uh, Etsy, I think it is. Somewhere else, maybe. Fans made amazing custom amiibo of Detective Pikachu and the entire cast of Undertale. Smashified shows us how Lilac from Freedom Planet would look in Smash Bros. A fan-made course in Super Mario Maker can calculate basic addition equations, which is really impressive. And <laughs> the petition for Danny DeVito to voice the great detective Pikachu has over 40,000 signatures, still reaching for its goal of 50k. It's about like 45 or something like that now. I can't believe how far that's gone. It's so that's hilarious. Amazing. Uh, and and a fan made a video that's as epic as it is goofy, which combines Mario Kart with Star Wars. You can check that out if you are interested. Um, all right, everybody. So that is the end of this week's, well, pre-break whatever, I guess, because now we're doing multiple segments and we just did three of them. So we're heading to break, whatever we're going to call it. I don't know. But uh, stay tuned. Keep listening. And we'll be back very soon with two new segments, The Gossip Stone and The Glitz Pit. So stay tuned for some fun. And welcome back to Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, joined as always by Alex Plant. I'm ready. And Ben Lamoureux. Colin is entirely fueled by coffee right now. Oh my god, so much. Um, we are here today with uh, the no longer called the discussion segment. I guess it's just post-break whatever now. Post-break madness. Post-break madness. And so we've got two segments for you this week. They're both brand new. So let's just jump right into the first one. This is called The Gossip Stone. Here we are, uh, it's a new segment we're debuting this week where we discuss the latest updates from the old rumor mill. After each one, we're gonna go around and weigh in with our final verdicts, whether we think the rumors are true or trubbish. <laughs> so, first up, there's a rumor going around that Mother 3 is in the final stages of localization by Nintendo of Europe, and that it's finally coming to the West. This rumor's been backed by Emily Rogers, Liam Robertson, and a writer from Eurogamer. 
You know, people have been saying for months now that Mother 3 is inevitable. You know, this year is its 10th anniversary uh, on April 20th. Uh, Lucas is back in Smash. Earthbound beginnings happened. You know, digital distribution is a thing. Reggie's been talking about it. Bill's been talking about it. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, I guess the only question now is what's it going to be called? Earthbound Generations? I don't know. Earthbound Forever. <laughs> Earthbound Forever would be cool. Uh, I kind of feel like it would actually just... And I would hope, anyway, that it would actually just be called Earthbound with a subtitle, Mother 3. The mother of all Earthbound games. <laughs> well, just because Mother has become... Or Mother 3, rather, has become so ingrained in everyone's minds, I think, for the identity mm-hmm. of this game. Uh, something like Earthbound Beginnings, I think it's okay to, you know, call it that because it had already been known as, like, Earthbound Zero. Uh, you know, it was originally localized as just Earthbound. Uh, whereas this, you know, everyone knows Mother 3 as Mother 3. So I feel like it would you know, lose something to not call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's even been also, referred to that in Smash Bros. So that's true. Yeah, actually, it, it it is an official English title. That yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and plus, you know, Mother Three just really hits home with uh, the whole. It thematically, every Mother game, the the title Mother is significant, but it's especially significant with Mother Three. So it, it would also lose that sort of poetry, I think. So that's why I hope it's called just Earthbound Mother Three. Um, so I guess the next question is: Do we think this is true or trubbish? Well, I guess I'm it, inclined to say true because I'm saying true. Yeah, I'm also saying true. You know, we're we're hearing it from uh, three different sources, yeah. and you know, we've had Liam Robertson on the podcast before. He's yeah. usually pretty reliable. He's he's got a lot of connections, and you know, like you said, it, it just makes sense with all the attention they've been giving the Mother franchise recently. Absolutely, absolutely. Seems like we're all in total agreement, and I, we've talked about this before too. So I, there's not a whole lot that bears repeating because they'd be crazy not to do it just absolutely crazy i will say though the fact that we're getting word that this is coming out of europe which is not totally unusual but a little bit worth noting i think and then it's not that i necessarily think this is likely but it's possible that that means nintendo of europe is the one on the ball as far as releasing mother 3 and that uh, nintendo of america is going to be a little behind or treated a little bit differently or something like that um maybe it may just be that nintendo of europe is more willing to spend on localization and, that, and I, that's I, I feel like i've heard that before but i can't really that's what happened with anymore. xenoblade that's what happened with the last story and pandora's yeah. tower so i could see that happening again here um mm-hmm. which would just be a shame but you know, if that if that gets us Mother Three, I don't think anyone's going to complain. <laughs> yeah. All right. So everyone, true, 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 true. Mother Three, it's happening this year. Do you guys think it's going to come out on the anniversary or just sometime this year? I can't imagine Nintendo releasing it at any other time. Neither do I. Um, all right. There are also rumors swirling around that Star Fox Zero's development is plagued with troubles, which does make a lot of sense after, you know, the delays and everything like that. Um, The first word on the street was that Nintendo returned from E3 2015 after hearing criticism about the motion controls and all that, only to make the motion controls more integral to the game instead of less. Um, And to make matters worse, they're having a lot of trouble making those controls actually work well. Um... Liam Robertson chimed in in this rumor to share that he's heard Nintendo of Europe isn't even sure whether the game can pass its quality assurance test and release on time. Um, He adds that the multiplayer features are being developed by the team that made Mario Kart 8's heavily criticized battle mode, uh, and the game as a whole just feels really disjointed, and so they're not confident in it. I think it's a little shocking that the trouble is that they can't pass the QA test, especially if... The way they do QA testing is what I suspect, which is basically, do these controls work the way they're intended to work? <laughs> not, not 
do we think people will take to these controls well? Um, and maybe right. that is what QA consists of at Nintendo and QC is checking to see if the controls work. But that would be like the first time I can ever imagine where a Nintendo game would would struggle to pass QA. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the time we just wouldn't hear about it. Well, true, but I, I can't think of a game that's demoed so poorly that the controls needed to just be completely yeah. changed for the game to even work. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially well, where the con- the control scheme is so important to the game, too. Well, yeah, and much less when everyone was coming back from E3 saying, these motion controls are bad, please make them less important. And their response is, okay, we're going we're gonna to make them even stronger of a component to this game. Yeah, and I also have to wonder a little bit if uh, some of the development troubles are caused by the partnership with Platinum Games, just because they're juggling so many projects right now. You know, they've got like yeah. four or five games in the works, so I have to wonder if they're a little time constrained. But I don't really know how they're you know structured, how many of their staff members are working with Nintendo right now, and things like right. that. Right. I'd imagine if anything, looking at the comment that the game feels very disjointed, that sounds like a problem that a Platinum Games partnership would right because. Games like Wonderful 101 and Bayonetta 2, while they're solid games, they do kind of have a disjointed feel. They have throw in a lot of disparate game elements. And that's something that we've already kind of seen happening with Star Fox Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Star Fox 64, which I think a lot of people consider like the, the golden standard for what Star Fox should be, is this very like singular game. It's all ships and tanks right. and, and submarines. But the, the more recent Star Fox games, and Star Fox Zero in particular, have introduced all kinds of different vehicles and different kinds of gameplay that aren't really following that track. Well, I wonder how much the vehicles and whatnot are Platinum Games versus Nintendo. Because, like, the Chicken Walker, for example... Uh, well, I think the that, idea I'm is, sure was Nintendo. The ideas are probably too. Nintendo. But then you look at... at, at the implementation. The implementation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and they've also talked about how Project Guard could potentially be part of Star Fox. So that's, you know, another case where it just, yeah. it, it just sort of seems like it's not especially fitting to the Star Fox world and it right. might contribute to that disjointed feel if it's... Uh, if it's a reoccurring part of the game. Right. And now we know so little about the multiplayer elements, too, but I can mm-hmm. totally see where... Well, you know, like Mario Kart 8's battle mode, for example. I was actually talking to a friend about this recently uh, who said that the battle mechanics in Mario Kart 8 are actually really awesome. Some of the best the series has ever had. But the courses and the whole structure of the battle mode is just yeah miserable yeah. in comparison. Right. I'll, so, I'll totally get on board with that. Yeah. So, you know, depending on the level design, it's possible that the multiplayer is actually really great, but this is obviously, you know, disconcerting to hear um, because the battle mode was so heavily criticized and such a major point of disappointment for a lot of the fans. So, we don't know what that looks like, and I can totally foresee these multiplayer features being just as disjointed and maybe even worse than some of the other stuff here. Um, if, if this is the case, and if, uh, just depending on the way that they're handling it within that team. So, I guess the question then is, do we think it's actually going to be delayed? I don't think it's going to be delayed. But I do think that they've had trouble getting to whatever point they're at now, and I do think there probably is some worry about the motion controls, whether that is that they work or that people will accept them. I don't know. I I have particular feelings about based on the E3 demo. My impression, you know, being someone who used them successfully was they worked, mm-hmm. but I can see why people struggled with them. Yeah. And so I think that's probably remained true throughout the remainder of development, but yeah. I don't know if that's a problem that would 
make it struggle to pass QA, or if that's just a problem that makes them worried about its release. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other side of the argument and say I think it will be delayed, uh, or maybe perhaps mm-hmm. I kind of hope it will, just because Nintendo's been talking so much about making sure that they create quality games and that they satisfy the Wii U audience before moving on to the next console. Now you're in 2015, and outside of Star Fox and Zelda, there's really not much announced for the Wii U. So I don't think they can afford to have you know the last two. Well, maybe not the last two, but two of the last biggest hits on the console and have one of them be a flop. So I think Nintendo should take their time and possibly will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that they should. The flip side of the coin, though, is they need games on this console. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they they might be seeing that exact same talking point from the totally opposite perspective. Um, yeah, and I agree. They, they definitely want Star Fox out sooner rather than later because they delayed both Zelda and Star Fox yeah. last year. And Zelda, they just straight up said, to be determined. They gave yeah. no window. Yeah, but yeah, Star yeah. Fox, they're like, we're just pushing it from holiday to spring. We can, we can fix this mess in a few months. We just got to tweak some things here and there. Yeah. But it sounds like uh, the tweaking is not done yet. Yeah. And in stuff like this, people, you know, always bring up Miyamoto's famous quote, a delayed game is eventually good. A bad game is forever bad. So I guess the question with Star Fox is, will it be delayed? Delayed, or will it just be forever bad? Well, and I think another point to consider is is how long of a delay would it need versus, like, say, right. fixing things with a balance patch. Because if it's going to be de- need to be delayed two or three months, that has it launching in the summer. And Nintendo doesn't launch games in the summer. So if they can't get it out before June, then it probably won't launch until, like, September. Right. I, I, don't, I personally don't think a delay will, will, will solve the problems if the problem really is the way the motion controls are being implemented, because that's a vision problem. That's not mm-hmm. an implementation problem. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on how broadly you define implementation, because I would consider implementation to be, you know, we saw in the demo, and maybe it doesn't work this way anymore, but like the camera perspective changes at certain points and stuff like that. It's built around the motion controls. I guess you could control it with a traditional, you know, the joystick and the buttons and everything, but it would feel just as awkward in those transitions and those camera perspectives and all those forced changes that the game pushes on you. So, I don't know. I I, I could imagine them delaying it to try to fix the problems with motion controls by giving a traditional control option and trying to make all of those kinds of transitions uh, fluid with traditional controls, but I don't know. I just well, I'll, I'll I won't belabor the the point. Besides that, to say that I think the issue with the camera is more about the gamepad uh, cockpit view than it is about the motion controls. Fair enough. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so final verdicts, guys. I'm going with true. Um, I'm going with a little bit of true, but but not. Maybe a not, little maybe bit not of tr- totally true. A little bit of trubbish. I do think I do think the motion controls are causing development panic, but I don't know that that yeah. means that the game's going to be delayed or that it's struggling to pass its QA. Uh, yeah, I I'm kind of with you, Alex. A little more leaning towards the true side there. Uh, I think it definitely means they're struggling, and I think it may mean it's delayed. Um, but I do definitely think that they are concerned about this quality test. All right, uh, final rumor going around here for the Gossip Stone this week. We've also got a little bit of stuff about the NX. So first, Kamishima said that Nintendo will share details on NX not too late in 2016. A developer has also speculated that the NX is coming out this year based on information they heard from Nintendo that they're giving dev kits only to a select few developers. And there's even more reason to believe it's true, as Kamishima said in the investors meeting, that NX will play a major role in this fiscal year, which begins in about a month from now. So unless they're banking on nine months of pre-orders generating a profit, then... 
Okay, so to look at those Kamishima comments you're talking about in depth, here's what Kamishima said when asked about uh, this upcoming fiscal year. Uh, he was asked whether uh, Nintendo has what Nintendo's plans are to return to Nintendo-like profits. And this is what he said. He said, The previous and current fiscal years have been a period of preparation to launch a number of new endeavors, such as NX development, development for smart devices and business using our character IP, in addition to driving our Wii U and Nintendo 3DS businesses. And then later he went on to say, As I have said before, we will be launching many of our new business activities, so that would include NX development, as we move from this fiscal year into the next. And then another investor asked a similar question, and he said specifically, to achieve Nintendo-like profits, one important factor will be establishing a solid launch for our NX and smart device businesses. And this is all in reference to the, the upcoming fiscal year, so the one that begins in April. Uh, so it sounds to me like they're definitely gearing up to launch NX before yeah. March 2017. So I'm going to go ahead and jump the gun and say... Yeah, it's true. They're already giving out developer kits, and knowing what Nintendo has done historically with developer developer kits, they're probably only giving them out to a few key partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've, I've got a few thoughts on this. Uh, I see not too late in 2016, and I just think E3. You know, it's oh, a few months definitely. away, and he's he's been pretty quiet. Maybe maybe we'll get a little bit of a teaser to investors or, or something like that, but yeah. I, I don't think Nintendo has any grand plans to unveil it before uh, E3. Uh, and then the other thing is, supposedly, they're only giving out dev kits to a few really close, like, second-party partners, and that just really disheartens me. Uh, mm-hmm. in, from the reports we've heard, they showed NX off behind closed doors to a few people, not maybe a physical console, but they pitched a concept for it, at least in uh, June last year at E3, and then development kits started supposedly going out around October. So if this thing launches November of this year, that means Nintendo's partners have only had a development kit for 13 months. Yeah. And I think you've just got to get partners involved way earlier than that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, and we've talked a lot before about why they need to do that. Um, so I, it is disheartening. But greener grass is that it's possible the NX is more up to speed with like Xbox One and PlayStation 4 um, or maybe other technologies. So porting things is a lot easier. They can work on games for the NX uh, with much greater speed than they would working on games for a new console generation. Um, So maybe some of those issues uh, introducing developers to their dev kits in a shorter time span are going to be alleviated. Now, I kind of wonder how exclusive they're being with these third-party sort of partnerships. Um, And partnerships isn't quite the right word, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, Because I think it's safe to say studios like Platinum Games, Sega, Capcom um, are getting dev kits for the NX. Um, I wonder about studios like Square Enix, like... um, and, and more importantly, like, Western studios that are really important. Mm-hmm. CD Projekt Red, uh, you know, WB Games is huge. Um, there's a lot of studios that really need these dev kits and really need to be on board for the NX if Nintendo has any hope of, of making it successful. Um, but we've seen historically that they don't really treat the Western third parties that way. And this developer, uh, I think it's a smaller studio, so it... No matter how exclusive they're being, if they're being exclusive, then it would make sense that they don't get one. But that is a little troubling. Yeah. Well, the the developer said there's a there's a date basically set for when anyone can apply for an NX. But right now, apparently, it's uh, very exclusive and tons of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll I'll kind of want to walk back to something Ben said about he thinks the console won't be revealed until E3. And while I think that's prob- pretty likely, um, one thing I'd like to point out is a lot of what we've been hearing about when Nintendo plans to talk more about NX has been focused on, oh, well, we're not talking about it this fiscal year. And I think mm-hmm. that sort of leaves it open for them to talk a little bit about or, sh- or maybe show off NX, kind of like PS4 and Xbox One were shown off prior to E3 uh, in sort of its I was own actually going to say like the Wii. Well, yeah, like because the, the Wii, Wii was shown off, Wii was shown in, off April at, or so. in a numerous uh, events prior to the the mm-hmm. first E three where it was fully unveiled. So I think we'll see something kind of more like that, and they're just waiting to say anything until they kind of maximize their sales for this fiscal this current fiscal year. Because mm-hmm. you know, if they announce something before the end of March, they're gonna sales are gonna tank because people are gonna be like, oh well, I'll just wait for their next console to right. come out. So I right. think they're they're waiting to kind of squeeze as many sales as, as they can out of this fiscal year, maximize their sort of balance sheet. And then get investors excited for the thing that's coming next. I think that's kind of the, the the path we'll see. And I think that would make sense, too, given that E3 needs to be a space for them to showcase the games and showcase a sort yeah. of more refined version of the NX story. Absolutely. And that needs to be something they develop sooner. Yeah, that's exactly uh, where I was going to take this, actually, is... So if you look at the Wii, that was revealed before E3 so that people would sort of get the concept. It's a motion controller. I know what to expect going into E3. So, and I think that they're going to do something similar with the NX because we've been hearing so much about, you know, it's a brand new concept. And if people are introduced to the NX at E3, and that's when journalists and, you know... uh, influencers on YouTube and social media and stuff are going to get their first impressions of the NX, there could be huge misunderstandings about, first of all, what this system is intended to be, and second of all, what these games are. So I can totally see a situation where they unveil it a little sooner so that everyone going into E3 will know what to expect in terms of the hardware and then have good impressions about the games themselves. That would also alleviate a problem they had with Wii U, where people seemed to not really know it was yeah. a new console, and then the mm-hmm. fact that they didn't really have games to showcase for it made that even more mm-hmm. confusing. So, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I, I, introducing the concept to people before you actually take it to the stage and take it into the hands of the consumers at E3, um, I think that makes a lot more sense. And I don't think that it would be, you know, this huge unveiling, I, but just something like a trailer for, you know, the controller or whatever this is, um, just so people can get a sense of it. Well, I'd, I'd say it, it really should be a huge unveiling. It should be something that, that resembles the Xbox One and PS4 launch, or reveal events. Yeah, that's, that's, I'd that's say fair. more the PS4 ones. Well, the yeah, Xbox for sure. One was universally paid. <laughs> well, and the PS4 one, it went right into games, and that's Breaking something. news, Miyamoto's been hired at Zynga. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. So, true or trubbish, guys? True. I'm going to go with true. 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 I say true. All right. It's a good day if you're a fan of true rumors. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, there we go. (laughs) Nice. Um, So, we've made it then to the moment you've all been waiting for. It is our final segment on this week's show. We call it the Glitz Pit. And every time, we pit the three of us against each other in a quest to see who can earn the most star points. It's a fun little podcasting game segment, and this week we don't really have a name for this game, but we've each chosen a moment from Nintendo's 2015 that we think is the absolute best. We're going to duke it out, debate style, and we're going to see who's right. Uh, So we've got 10 minutes on the clock, and at the end we'll go around and say how many star points out of 10 that we think each person deserves. 
but afterwards, it's up to you guys to decide the winner. We'll be launching a Twitter poll where each vote counts as a star point, and whoever's got the most by the time the poll closes will be officially declared the reigning champion of the Glitz Pit. Are you ready to rock? So oh, yeah. cheesy, I love it. <laughs> um, let's see here. Let me pull up the timer because I'm an idiot and didn't prepare that first. Time is an um, illusion. We don't need a timer. And so are pants. <laughs> um, Avatar let's reference see. for the win. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. You guys ready? I'm ready. ready. Timer, you start. All right, Alex, opening statements. My opening statements. So if you've listened to this podcast before, and in, in particular if you listen to our top uh, Nintendo games, you will not be surprised to f- discover that my favorite moment of Nintendo's 2015 was the launch of Splatoon. Uh, hmm. First off, I mean, this was a huge success story for Wii U. Uh, it's it's a game that in Japan has been selling at a faster pace than Mario Kart, which is just insane. I think in Japan it's also and Smash Bros. Uh, yeah, I think in Japan it's also outsold Smash Bros. I think altogether at this point, right? So that's a huge story for Nintendo. Uh, they've been needing a, a good Wii U success story, something that really defines Wii U as a console and not just mm-hmm. a sequel to a past game. And Splatoon definitely fits that bill. Um, it's also a foray into a new genre space for Nintendo. They never really made a competitive shooter before. Certainly nothing on, on this level. Um, and it's a new IP to boot, introducing a new character, a new set of characters, actually. And one that has a female mascot as the sort of front runner, as opposed to a male. Which is which is a huge symbolic move for Nintendo, given that it's it's you know it was 2015 last year. Um it's a fantastic game with a huge competitive scene that's been constantly evolving. It's been getting incredible post-launch support. The amiibo that it came with are really high quality, and the way that it's used amiibo has been, as I said in the new segment, uh, really outstanding. It's just all around a great game, and I, I'd love to see them continue in that direction. Um, it's also a, a showcase of kind of what their their new blood strategy can really achieve. Uh, the Nintendo Garage program, which is the, the program that produced the game, shows a lot of promise, and I'd love to see them continue that direction. But I think all in all, Splatoon represents the direction Nintendo needs to go in terms of de- developing new software and not just sort of injecting new ideas into old software. All right. Good, good, good. You got two minutes out there, so we gotta going to have to pick up the pace if you want to counterpoint. All right, so... Uh, my thing isn't necessarily a single moment. I'm going to cheat, and it's sort of a oh, collection of moments under you do this uh, all the time. <laughs> a singular theme. That's right. Uh, oh, so man. Nintendo has a bad reputation for being extremely resistant to change and to catching up with the future. They were the last to do HD. They were the last to do a lot of things, really, uh, on good online infrastructure, things like that. But over the past year, we've started to see them change that attitude, where they're saying, we're going we're gonna to enter the mobile market. We're going to do mobile games for the first time ever. We're teaming up with people to make theme parks and movies and TV shows. We're getting rid of Club Nintendo and we're replacing it with something better. We're making Nintendo accounts that connect all your systems together with cell phones and PCs. And then, like Alex said, you know, uh, they, they they launched Splatoon, a brand new IP that was something where Miyamoto wanted to make it another Mario spinoff, and the Nintendo Garage team said, no, we gotta do something new. And they, they did. They went forward and they did something fresh, and now it's sold over 4 million copies. And then, uh, when Kamishima took over the company, they instituted this restructure to take people like Miyamoto and, uh, Takeda and, and 
put them into positions of consultation rather than general management. So it's it's sort of a, not out with the old, but a, a definitely an in with the new where Nintendo is trying a lot of new things and they're putting more focus on their younger team members and they don't as much have this mantra of we need to do things the way we've always done them. We can't be, you know, we can't do non-Nintendo things and, and branch mm-hmm. out. So for me, uh, my, my Nintendo moment of 2015 was the moment Nintendo said, we're going to try new things. Okay. All right. Then it is my turn. I am going with the announcement, trailer, and reveal of Earthbound Beginnings. I called my, it. My yeah. opening statements, it made a grown man cry. I don't know about grown man. The end. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Let's open it up for debate. Who wants to challenge anyone first? Uh, Colin, I would like to challenge you on the grounds that you cry over everything. Oh, excuse me. I'm more in touch with my emotions. I am not a cold, heartless robot. <laughs> you are an yeah, beep boop bitch. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love Earthbound Beginnings, but I just I don't, I don't know if that's a, a big enough game to be the Nintendo moment of the year. No, I, I I totally get that, but but look at it this way: it it showed a huge gesture of love and support for fans of the Mother series, uh, mm-hmm. who had been pretty much completely ignored by Nintendo for what like twenty years now. Um, <laughs> it gave hope for Mother Three coming to the West. Mother Three, as I've said, you know, so many times. First of all, it's one of the best games ever made. But second of all, you see these people who play Mother Three and the fans of the Mother series. It's this community that has so much love for these games and support Nintendo to the ends of the earth and finally they're getting something in return for that and that i think is hugely significant um they finally opened up and said you know you guys matter to us just as much as we matter to you um on the other point the mother games are are hugely uh inspired by itoi's own life experience uh they're a very personal message they're very personal games and i think it's wonderful that they they finally gave this game a a a renewed opportunity uh to shine again so uh, I, I think it's significant in terms of uh, a, a new leaf for, for showing fans that they care and for showing um, the more artistic side, I think, of gaming uh, a moment to be, to be beloved. Yeah, I, I think Colin. For me, you're gonna you're gonna get some star points for being the only one out of us to pick really what is a singular moment, and you're gonna get star points. Yeah, for picking for picking <laughs> a moment that's about Nintendo sort of Im- improving its back catalog library, which mm-hmm. is something that I think everyone agrees that they needed to yep. do. But where I, I think I disagree with you is that I don't think this was the moment of 2015. Ah, and I think that's kind of what Ben know. thinks as I well. Don't know. Well, uh, my counter for you, Alex, on on your grounds, I would. So you said that Splatoon is this game that that will come to define Wii U. I disagree. I think Splatoon defines itself. I don't think its identity is bound to the Wii U, especially because I think a lot of people know Splatoon as an incredible Nintendo game, not an incredible Wii U game. Uh, The perception of the Wii U, and I think the wider gaming culture, is greatly overlooked. And I I think that Splatoon really, really uh, transcends the console that it launched on and and has its own identity as a game. I would also say your event was the launch of Splatoon Tune, it launched with less than half of the content that it ended up with. Uh, that was one of the biggest things that people criticized about its launch, uh, that people criticized in the Splatoon reviews. Uh, so I would I would argue that Splatoon's launch could not 
possibly be uh, a, the greatest moment of 2015, even if Splatoon is one of the best things there. I'm going to defend Alex here really quick and say even though the launch was criticized a little bit, people months later were really happy at the way they were then able to roll out yeah, new free content. Yeah, but he said the launch, so it doesn't matter, Ben. It doesn't but matter, But the launch ben. set up. The launch set up <laughs> uh-huh. for the rest of that. It was building uh-huh. a foundation. I would say Nintendo's been launching for the, in the last, like, six or seven months. It hasn't stopped launching until they cut off new. All right, all right, um, and that was just the moment that kicked all that off. Mm-hmm. That's, how, I only that's have, how I've seen it. Sure, sure. Uh, I only have one counter for Ben, and that is you can't say that 2015 is the best moment of 2015. I just did. Well, <laughs> you can't earn star points for it. I will amp that point up further and say that almost none of the stuff they announced actually wound up happening in 2015, and so it won't it won't be the moment of 2015. But the theme parks could be the moment of 2017 or whenever it is that they're actually rolling that out. Of course, I think you know those 2016. Assuming NX doesn't usurp it, all those things are going to be super exciting when they come to fruition in a year or two. But just the idea that Nintendo adopted this mentality of we don't need to be stuck in 1990. 1990 anymore. You know, hearing uh, <laughs> yeah. earlier in the year, or earlier last year, Iwata come out and say, you know, we're going to try all these new things. We're not just a game company, we're an entertainment company. And then seeing Kamishima further that by restructuring the company and saying, we're putting the focus on our youth. We want to be driven by the youth. We want to be future proof. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the, all wonderful points. I totally think that's a great discussion, but uh, I, I disagree that it, it counts as the best moment of 2015. <laughs> Um, I will throw you a bone, though, Ben, and say that I considered theme parks. That was my my second the hmm. theme park announcement. Yeah, that was so exciting. Um, just because of the the amount of imagination that I think it pried open for a lot of people. Um, yeah, that I think is still one of our top five most viewed videos on uh, the YouTube channel, which shows how much people really care about this. Yeah. Um, behind, of course, the Smash Bros. announcer saying Shrek and SpongeBob and stuff. Love a love a dub dub. <laughs> um, uh, is everyone done? How are we I doing? So. How wow! We, I think we, we've got our, we, our punches in. I, yeah. yeah, I'm amazed. We we did not even run the timer down. We got 45 more seconds to go. Impressive. <laughs> does any Does anyone have closing thoughts or anything? Vote for Ben. Vote for Colin. <laughs> Vote for Splatoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. So yeah. So so first up, Alex. Ben and I, we, uh, what do you think we're going to give him, Ben? I'm going to give him a solid six. I'm going to give him a solid seven. Just because I think he deserves a 6.5. Okay, cool. Um, Alex, what do we think of Ben? Man. I think he's perfect. You guys guys set the rating (laughs) scale pretty low. I was going to give Ben seven. But really? See, I don't rate on the video game scale of six to ten. I rate on yeah. the level ten scale. <laughs> yeah, me too. Here, um, um, yeah, I was going to give Ben seven, but if we're going on okay. the, the hardcore scale, I think I'll give him a six. Really? I was going to give him a four. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Okay. Uh, and me. Well, I'm tempted to give you a zero now. Uh, realistically, hey. I'm going to give you a five. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, lo- I love the Mother series, but I just don't think it's uh, that. I was also you know, thinking, monumental for. Nintendo. I was also uh, thinking five. Uh, I think part of the thing is 2015 wasn't that monumental. <laughs> yeah. It was all very re- internal reorganization was the what defined it, but none of those were moments. Um, I mean, I counted it in my moments. This before. is why I picked Splatoon, because <laughs> Splatoon yeah. is like the gift that kept on giving through all of yeah, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you guys, listeners, you now it's your chance. You guys take this battle to Twitter. Uh, 
on Gamnesia's Twitter account, at the Gamnesia. You go there. We're going to put up a Twitter poll. You can vote for Alex, Ben, or Colin to say who should get your star point. We're going to tally those up, and at the end, next week, we are going to announce who the reigning champion of the Glitz Pit shall be. So... Here we are. We've arrived at the end. Thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week for today and the end of a very special year for us here on the show. And hopefully for all of you listening as well. We'd love to know what you guys think of the show in its first year and what you guys think of these new segments uh, as we move forward. Nintendo Week has the world to owe you guys, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe share some of your favorite memories from the show or anything like that. Uh, you can email us, tweet us, review us on iTunes, whatever. We'll let you know how to do all that in just a second here. But for now, do you two have anything you want to say as we wrap up our inaugural year? I mean, it's, well, you put me on the spot. I know, right? I it's right here um, in the in the podcast planning doc. So planning, who needs planning? Colin thinks <laughs> I read things. <laughs> no, when you first approached me about this last year, I'd, I'd really been looking for something like this, something where it's really just about a conversation. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I told you this at the time, but um, that's something that that I've always loved about my times in quote game journalism is mm-hmm. having a conversation with people and and fans first and foremost, but also with other people within the, the sort of community. And so you mm-hmm. guys have been a really great outlet for that, and so I really, really appreciate Aww. it. It's great to just get to nerd out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I totally echo those. This has been so much fun for me, um, and it's a lot of hard work, especially the editing and releasing and all that, uh, and keeping up the YouTube stuff, but uh, it's just so wonderful, and I'm and I'm, I'm, Colin, I'm so grateful for all you guys who listen and, and make it worthwhile. Colin, are you going to cry? No. Oh, that's. I was just being sentimental. That's too bad. Kind of an sound trailer. We can get the. Do <laughs> you have anything, Ben, or no? Ah, no. I think you guys okay. pretty much summed it up. Okay. I've just enjoyed being able to nerd out and happy okay. for all the fans. Glad that uh, you guys are still listening to us, putting up with all our. Um, <laughs> ben has no sentimentality, so. It's, it's yeah. true. I'm heartless. We've been a, he's a heartless robot. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud now, or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So, if you haven't done that, please do. It really means a lot. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show in our Mystery House segment, which I think we'll bring back next week. Uh, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and at Colin McIsaac on Twitter, C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. Yes. Uh, if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it. And if you can believe it, Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. There was a lot of it. Um, as we sign off, please enjoy Welcome Home, a beautiful Undertale arrangement from Insane in the Rain Music's new album, Live at Grillby's. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great week.
so our finally so our final story ugh. smash I am so bad with my consonants today next we've got some upcoming updates to look up for that's none of those things <laughs> I just said were right